Well, at least he didn't do what he did in the first service and tell everybody to eat your candy while I'm preaching. <laughs> but feel free. <laughs> awesome. Well, it is a privilege for me uh, to be here. And as mentioned, I have a history, not only with Tom, but with this church. And so being here for my wife and I is not uh, work. It's not even service. It's just a joy. It is fun. This is family. Uh, we love coming here and being with this church and observing from afar all that God is doing among you as well is an encouragement to us. Um, so the title this morning, if you are taking notes, is a, The Gift of a Pastor. When we talked about this beforehand, we wanted to kind of focus on it that way. And we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verse, the first four verses. And while you're getting there, uh, just want to pose a question. If, what if prior to uh, scheduled surgery, you were required to sit through some lectures to doctors on the unique techniques of the surgery that's about to be performed on you? Uh, and along with that, you're going to hear all the responsibilities and dangers and risks uh, that the doctors need to be aware of. I mean, how, how would you like that? Uh, if you're like me, you probably think that would be either gross or extremely boring. And you'd be wondering, why do I need to sit through this conversation? In fact, for me, I, I, I want to know that my doctor knows what he needs to know, you know, that he is fully trained and equipped to do whatever he's got to do on me. But I do not want to know, and I certainly don't want any graphic explanations of what he's going to do to me. This is going to be uh, perhaps kind of how you might feel about this text this morning. You might be wondering, well, why, why, why is Peter putting this in here? Why do I need to hear this? Because Peter is now going to address elders uh, in a letter that is addressed to the whole church and passed around to churches uh, throughout the uh, Roman Empire that were existing in that day, and, and yet now he's directing his attention to elders. So if you would read with me 1 Peter chapter 5, we begin in, in verse 1. So I exalt, or sorry, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for your word. Your word reveals who you are. It reveals why Christ had to come. It reveals who we are now in Christ. But Lord, it also gets so helpful and practical, even in, in how elders are to serve us and how we are to view them and, and understand them. So we ask, Lord, that you would help us this morning in this passage, even those of us who are not ever going to maybe serve as an elder, that you would help us. So anoint the preaching of your word, we ask in, the, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I think there's some reasons why this 
is an important text, actually, an essential text for all Christians to hear, and why Peter has put it in this epistle addressed to all Christians and churches. It's a circular letter. It was intended to be passed around among the churches. And one of the first reasons I think that it's important uh, is because, well, it's in God's Word, but Peter, addressing this to all Christians, could have actually wrote a separate letter to just elders if he had wanted to. But there's a reason why he's included these instructions here. Because not only do elders need these instructions, but it serves us to know what is an elder and what is their function for a number of reasons I think that will come clearer as we go through this, but uh, not the least of which is so that we know how to pray for elders, that we know how to encourage them. Uh, we, We should know why they are a gift from God, from the ascended Christ to us. And so this is going to help us this morning. And so with that, secondly, because this is the last official Sunday for Tom being here among you as a pastor and a member of this church, uh, we get to to send off a beloved pastor and his wife. And so there's going to be a lot of emotions. Uh, There were already some this morning. Uh, There's going to be a lot of emotions and even some sense of grieving about sending off somebody who has meant so much to so many And yet, we're also to be grateful to God. So this text is going to help us this morning and understand and have some categories for how we should actually express our gratefulness to God for giving us Tom Wilkins as a pastor. And so I I believe this this text is relevant, very relevant for us. Now, if I was going to sum this up uh, this morning, I would say it this way. Elders shepherd the saints assigned to them for the glory of the chief shepherd. Elders, and as we're going to see, that that word is interchangeable with the word pastor. We could put it this way, pastors or shepherds, shepherd the saints assigned to them for the glory of the great shepherd. So I've got three points this morning. The first is elders are shepherds. We, We need to see that elders are shepherds. That's their primary function and purpose, why Jesus has given them to the church. And then, secondly, we're going to look at elders exercise oversight. Elders exercise oversight. And lastly, we want to look at that elders will give an account to the great shepherd. And what I hope we'll see in that is that that is good news for all of us, that that is the case. So, let's look at the first point. Elders are shepherds. And to get really understand this, it would be helpful to have a little context because we're just diving into 1 Peter in this verse. But in this, this letter, this epistle of Peter, he's been instructing all Christians, instructing the churches how the gospel informs the way that we are to live uh, as Christians in this fallen world. And to do so even through suffering and sometimes persecution for the sake of Christ. Peter actually goes as far in chapter 4 as saying that we should rejoice in suffering, especially when we suffer for the name of Christ. And then toward the end of chapter 4, verse 17 through 19, Peter quotes from Ezekiel 9 and reminds us that judgment, he says, begins with the household of God. And at this point, he's addressing the church. So he's saying judgment begins with the church before it goes out to the world. And if you go to Ezekiel 9, you see that what he's saying, it's it's not just, it begins with the household of God, starting with 
the leaders, the elders. And so that's the backdrop to this, because if you look at verse 1, chapter 5, he says, so, or it could be therefore, in light of what I've just said, in light of the fact that judgment, and the judgment he has in mind isn't so much punitive judgment as it is God's loving discipline, his purifying judgment, because he wants the church to be holy as he is holy, to be giving off the aroma of Christ in this fallen world. And one day we will be perfected in glory when he comes again. But right now what he's doing is conforming all of us into Christ, becoming more and more like him, and the world needs to see it. And so God first begins his his judgment with us, purifying us, making us more like Jesus. So what he's saying is, so elders, in light of this, listen up. This is for you because of your unique role in the church. You need to hear this. And so the first thing he tells us is that elders, in verse 2, are to shepherd the flock of God that is among you. This is what he says to the elders. This is their primary role. It's, it's who they are, but it's also their primary role among us as shepherds. Now, the word that's translated shepherd here is the verb form of the noun translated pastor. Pastor and shepherd are interchangeable words. That may be different from how you've understood pastor. In fact, in this passage, one thing you'll see is the, the word, the term elder and pastor are not only synonymous, but they're being used very differently than we see in a lot of uh, denominational settings in the body of Christ today. In some, ca- some cases, the, an elder is really more of a, a voted-in board of directors person, you know, part of the governing side. Pastors, well, we hire them to do all the care or preaching of the word. They're like two separate things, but what we find here is they are one and the same. In fact, pastoral work, being a pastor, is the function of an elder. It's what they do. And, and that's how, the, how we see it in this church and in our denominational setting, and that's how, how Peter is putting it here. So the first thing that elders are commanded to be and to do is to shepherd or pastor the flock. It's, it's kind of a play on words that Peter's using here. In, in essence, he's saying shepherds, because a pastor's a shepherd or elder's a shepherd, shepherds shepherd the sheep. Now, although elders and pastors in local churches may have a lot of different responsibilities based on gifting and so forth, you know, some pastors are more gifted publicly to preach. Others are doing more counseling or other types of things. But the one thing that is true is that there is no such thing in Scripture as an elder that is not a pastor or a shepherd. This biblical imagery of a shepherd uh, caring for his flock is, is not only rich, but it's very helpful to understand what a pastor is and does. So, for instance, you, you could picture long hours caring for, leading, protecting, nurturing, carrying the weak, seeking the lost, uh, healing the sick. It, it's a picture of tenderness, toughness, and courage. And that's what a pastor is, is called to be uh, among the flock that, that Jesus places them in. Friends, I, I would say that Tom, and I hope you agree, has been a gift of a shepherd, a pastor to this church. When I first moved here in 1995, as you heard earlier, I got to serve as one of the pastors here of this church. I was the lead pastor for a number of years. And 
when I first met Tom, he was this goofy young guy leading the worship team. And I, I could fill out why I use that term goofy, but I'll save those stories for someone else to share. <laughs> In fact, Tom is still a goofy guy. And as I said to him earlier, Tom, please never stop being that goofy guy because I love that about you and your wife. Uh, they are so fun to be with. They make life more fun. So please keep that. Your sense of humor and your fun-loving nature is wonderful. But I remember this, though he was this goofy guy, it didn't take long to observe a pastoral heart for the people of God and Tom. And it was a joy to not only watch him, but to be a part of the leadership team that was helping him grow to the point that one day we sent him to the Pastors College of Sovereign Grace Ministries. He, he had a sense of call and it was time, it was ready. Now, not all pastors in Sovereign Grace, not all elders uh, go to the Pastors College. It's not a requirement, but when it, can, when it fits and it works, it is a great means of grace, isn't it, to help someone grow, be prepared for ministry. And so I was here when we sent him, uh, got to ha have him come back and do an internship with us, and then he was part of the team that sent me out to go lead and plant a church in Canada. Uh, at that time. But I also got to be here and walk from a distance and watch him grow and be a part. I remember coming back for the ordination. It's just been a joy to watch Tom. But toward the end of Tom's uh, year in the pastor's college, as is often the case there, Jeff Perswell, the dean, uh, and C.J. Mahaney would often write letters, uh, not only to the student, but it would go, we'd get a copy in the local church. And this would be an assessment. And so I I still remember when we got C.J. Mahaney's letter assessing Tom in our copy. In a big handwritten, bold letters across it, he wrote, a pastor, exclamation point, underline. We were, we were not surprised by that, not at all. Uh, we, that's what we saw in Tom, and they just confirmed it. You know, there's a lot of other things that C.J. wrote in there. Uh, both encouraging and things that he wasn't seeing, things he was seeing that were, I think, helpful for Tom and for all of us to know to pick up on his internship. But no one questioned that he was a pastor, a shepherd that God was giving as a gift to this church. And in the years that followed, that, that was proved out again and again. Friends, I, I would say to you, what a gift from the risen, ascended Christ this church has had in Tom Wilkins. Amen? And that leads to my second point. Elders exercise oversight. Uh, exercising oversight actually is an outworking, if you will, of uh, or an expression of shepherding. Uh, look, look how he puts it here in verse 2. He's saying, speaking to elders, elders, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. And notice it, there's not an and exercising oversight. It's comma, exercising oversight. So part of how that shepherding work is expressed involves exercising oversight in the church. And this, this word that's translated in English, oversight, is the verb form of the noun overseer, also called bishop. Another word that is used very differently in a lot of denominational, denominational settings today. Often a bishop is thought of as some regional leader over a, a region of churches. But that's not how it was used in the New Testament. It's not how we refer to it either. 
Um, these words actually, pastor, um, you know, elder, overseer, or bishop, are all synonymous terms speaking of the same office. Because elders are to shepherd the flock of God by or exercising oversight as, as part of that. So it means they have responsibility to govern and lead, manage the affairs of the church. Uh, in the ESV study Bibles, it says the same thing. In the notes there, it says elders are also entrusted with exercising oversight. Translating the Greek word episkopeo, which is the verb of the noun form overseer. So there it is again, which is another title for those who serve as an elder. Paul in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, uh, he gathers the, all the elders in Ephesus together as he's on his way to Jerusalem. And, and here's what he says to them in verse 28. He says, pay careful attention to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, using the same word, episcopal. So he's dressing elders, and he's reminding them the Holy Spirit has made you elders as overseers. And what are you to be doing in, in your roles as overseers? He adds, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. This is the, the privilege of every person called and ordained to be an elder, a pastor in a local church, is we get to shepherd and care for the very people that Jesus died to save, shed his own blood for. And so we're being reminded of that. So the Holy Spirit has made you to be overseers. And that's another key piece that uh, I'm just going to leave there for now. But the bottom line is the elder, pastor, overseer, or bishop, they're synonymous. And elders are called to shepherd, care for, guard, oversee, teach, admonish, encourage, counsel, and equip with the Word of God. And all that requires long hours and hard work, sometimes with tears, as we walk with people through all kinds of things in their lives. Sometimes shepherds must go after the wayward, the struggling sheep. And I know many of you here would have testimonies uh, of points Significant moments in your life, maybe turning points in your life where Tom was a means of God's grace to you, you know, where he came to care for you, maybe came in just inquiring, how are you doing, um, came to encourage you, or even in some cases as needed, admonish you, came to weep with you, to laugh with you, to sit with you, just walk you through whatever God has taken you through in that moment. Uh, I heard a story like this just yesterday morning from Tom's nephew. Um, I call him Bobby, but it, I know he's known here as Robert, I think now. But uh, it was just such a Christ-honoring story that he shared with me of how Tom has been a pastor to him and, and a particular moment in time that stands out to him. And I know he shared that with him. Tom, you have been used of God to, to change people's lives. People are more Christ-like in this church because of you. Friends, what a gift from the risen, ascended Christ we have in Tom. What a blessing. Now, we, we've looked at what elders are to be and do, but how, how does this work out? How are they supposed to do this? What is it supposed to look like as they shepherd and exercise oversight in the flock? Well, 
Beginning toward the end of verse 2, into verse 3, Peter gives us a series of, of, of pairs, really, of what they're, not, what they're not to be or not to do over and against what they are to do. And he begins with, uh, in verse 2, not under compulsion. So, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but rather willingly. Uh, so they should never serve. An elder should never serve out of duty or obligation because, you know, well, somebody's got to do it or whatever reason, or maybe they feel trapped. If an elder feels trapped in serving, that, that is never a good thing. They're serving out of the wrong motivation. Uh, they're supposed to serve willingly, gladly, that is freely and with joy. And not because it's easy, because it's not Sometimes it's, it's great fun, and it's, it's great to be with the people of God always, but sometimes it's just it's really hard work. It's labor. And even in those moments, to serve willingly with joy. Uh, Alexander Strahl, <clears throat> on his book on eldership, says, This means, among other things, that the Holy Spirit has planted in the hearts of elders the desire and motivation to be shepherd elders. And so when we look at an elder, and as elderships look at up-and-coming guys, are they being called of God as a shepherd and elder? The first thing that's important is, is there an inward sense of calling and desire that they're aspiring to this office? If that's not there, uh, a man should not pursue this. It starts with that. Now, it has to be confirmed uh, by the elders in local church that they are called and gifted appropriately and qualified. But it starts with that. Friends, I could say with all confidence, knowing Tom for many years now, I could say with all confidence that Tom Wilkins did not serve this church under any compulsion, but rather willingly and with joy. Even during some very difficult years, I remember when Tom stepped in to actually take the lead pastor role in the church, and not because he was asking for it. Uh, or even assuming that he was gifted and called to do it, but because there was a need. And, and after a number of years, and his, his own health uh, under the weight of all that began to fail him some, I never saw Tom serve under compulsion. He served even in the, the hardest moments with joy. Uh, what, what a gift you have been, Tom, from the risen Savior to this church. Thank you. Second thing that uh, Peter says is they're not to serve for shameful gain, but eagerly. In other words, with zeal and enthusiasm. Now, it's right for churches, when they can, to actually pay or you know, financially support their elders. It's not always possible to do so. It's not a requirement that a pastor must be paid, particularly in small churches and seasons and times, uh, there are bivocational elders, and in our denomination, that, that is uh, very common, actually. So when they are paid, though, it's, it's also good to pay them well so they can support and, and manage their households well. But an elder should never be serving because of the money. It should never be about the money. In fact, if it's just about a paycheck, they should, should get out of the way. And it should never be about gaining wealth. Friends, I would say once again, Tom was exemplary in this. We heard from John earlier, his story, uh, he was talking about taking my thunder. 
This is one of those places. Um, I remember after Ricky took the lead role as senior pastor of this church, and the finances uh, weren't there to be able to support the, the whole pastoral staff and administrative staff needed. It was Tom offering and volunteering, let me go get a job. I'll, I'll go back in secular work. Uh, friends, that kind of thing does, as John said, you don't see that anywhere. Uh, what, what an amazing testimony uh, of his desire to put the church first, even over himself, to have to midstream you know, change after years serving full-time in ministry to go out and get a job. And yet he still continued to serve this church as a pastor, bivocationally, without pay, with joy. What a gift from the risen, ascended Christ we have in time. Third, what Peter tells us about how they should serve is they should not be domineering. All right? they, but rather lead by example. And that means as humble servants. Pastors are not to be positioned or to function like little popes, little kings of their kingdom. And there should, the, the concept or idea of do not cut, touch God's anointed, which does exist in some circles, should never, ever be said of pastors. Nowhere in Scripture is that phrase applied to pastors. And I would add this, domineering leadership is unbiblical leadership, period, end of story. There'd be no place for that. In fact, Jesus in Mark chapter 10, gathering his disciples together, listen to what he says to them in verse 42. You know, he says, that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority, that is domineering kind of authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be the servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Now, one example of humble servant leadership in Tom that I will never forget, and again, John kind of took some of this, which is great to hear it from someone here else who's seen it. But I was there when this happened. I was asked at a point in time to come in and help the local eldership because of my background and experience with them and the church to kind of walk through some serious questions and decisions that had to be made. The church had been declining for, for a couple of years. The finances weren't that, that good. Tom's health was failing him, and yet he was still trying to serve faithfully as the lead pastor. And I remember as we were talking amongst ourselves uh, Everyone came together realizing that the, the person among them who was the most gifted to lead, uh, to teach, to preach the word, and to cast vision and to the team and to the church was Ricky. The problem was Ricky was young. As I mentioned earlier, he still looks like about 16. It it's, actually has to shave now, which is good. Um, I'm not sure he was even shaving back then. But the thing that we realized is, though he was young, very gifted and humble himself, there were mature men around him, including Tom. And if they could work together in plurality, there, not only was it uh, the time and the right thing, but everyone believed it was God's timing that Ricky should take 
that role. And, and friends, I, I wish you could have been there at that moment to s- just observe the humility in that room of all the guys, but in particular uh, in Tom. Tom it wasn't just reluctant about it. He was joyfully endorsing the idea. Ricky is more gifted than I. He's the guy to take this church and lead it into the next, into its future. Uh, and he was the, the one encouraging, yes, he should lead. I mean, think of this. This is the, the lead pastor, you know, who, and this is before he later offered to go back in secular employment. But at this point, I'm willing to step out of the lead role, out of the limelight, and let this young man take the lead for the sake of the church. Those are the kinds of pastors the church needs. And what a gift from our ascended Lord and Savior, Tom, has been to this church. My last point, which will be shorter, but I think it's really important, I wanted to squeeze this in here this morning, is elders will give an account to the great shepherd. And, and I hope we can all see this is, this is a good thing. We're, we're told in verse 4, Jesus is the chief shepherd. All right? Now, John, in his gospel, in chapter 10, says that Jesus is the good shepherd. We might understand or remember that more, but Peter's saying he, he's also referred to as the chief shepherd. So elders are uh, under-shepherds of the chief shepherd. Jesus is our shepherd. But in order to care for the flock, he has given to the church. Ephesians 4.11 uh, makes that pretty clear, that pastors are one of the ministries that Jesus himself gives to the local church. And so the ascended Christ gives pastors, under-shepherds, to the church, to his flock. And they've been given a specific charge from the great shepherd to shepherd just an assigned portion of his flock. So I come here as a pastor of a church in Westminster. I used to be one of the pastors here. I am not anybody's pastor here. I'm a pastor in a church uh, who's been asked to come and preach. But you have elders and you have pastors. And praise God, you had an excellent example of what a pastor should be in Tom in this church. Now, the other thing that we see here in this last verse uh, that we've, we're looking at this morning is that Jesus is coming again. The great shepherd is coming again. Now, all of us are called to live today in light of that final day. We see that throughout the New Testament. Even in 1 Peter, back in chapter 4, verse 7, Peter says to everyone, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, and then he goes into a list of imperatives that are given instructions to us as to how we're to live out our life in Christ together in the context of local church community. And so the basis for how we live, all of us, is based on the fact that our our Lord, our Savior, He's coming again. And that's what we live for. That's what we look forward to. And it gives us, uh, the, if you will, the, the motivation that we need in the difficult times especially to press through persevere. And so now what he's telling, what Peter is saying to elders is he's, he's saying, okay, hardworking, humble, selfless, servant-minded elders, you will receive a crown, an unfading crown of glory when the great shepherd uh, appears, when he returns. So elders need this, and this is a good thing. It, we all need it, but elders need it as well. And listen, this is not 
being put as a warning. Elders, look out. Watch out. You know, do a good job because Jesus is going to return and you're going to give an account. The the emphasis isn't there. The emphasis is on reward. When he comes, when he comes, you who've been laboring hard and working hard and serving my people as a shepherd, you will receive your crown directly from the great shepherd. That should encourage every elder and pastor. And friends, we needed to hear this. Peter wanted us to hear this so that now we can know how to pray for your pastors, to know how, what, their, what the weight of responsibility that God has given them. So pray for them, encourage them, and make their work a joy to the best that you can. Because in the end, we're all going to stand before him and hear, hopefully we're all going to Uh, Everyone here is in Christ. If you're in Christ, you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Friends, as you send out Tom and Lisa today, be grateful for the gift of an elder, a pastor that this church has had in Tom. But consider this, how the great shepherd himself is now allowing you, Cross of Grace Church, to be a part of him sending Tom to another sister church of ours who needs pastoral help. So as he's been a gift to you, now you get to send him to be a gift as a pastor to that church. And I I know Tom will be a blessing to that church. So let me close just saying one more time, what a gift from the risen, ascended Savior we have had in Tom Wilkins and this church. Amen. Amen. We thank Tony for sharing the word with us today. Excellent. All right. Well, we, uh, I want to invite, uh, just a second, invite Tom and Lisa up. Uh, also, just want to give a note. If you've been like, hey, it seems like there's a little more chattery this, this morning. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, we, we've seen an uptick, surprising uptick, from zero to 60 in our kids' ministry. So we, we actually hit capacity in our kids' ministry this morning. And so uh, if you see a kid around you, you shouldn't be looking and be like, what's up with this kid? Uh, you should be like, man, we should, we should always want there to be chattery sounds in our church service because it means that the next generation of kids that are going to follow Jesus after us, by God's grace, are here. Um, I was one of those kids in kids' ministry. Uh, and I sat out in here and probably chattered with my parents. And uh, so we want to encourage uh, you, if you're a parent, you couldn't make it in. If you want to be here, we want you to be here. So let us know. We're still trying to figure out uh, how to, to, to accommodate everybody. Uh, but if you let us know, hey, like, I'm here, I'm going to be here, that actually really helps us. Um, so thanks for doing that. Now, uh, in the first service, uh, I want to invite Tom and Lisa up. Go ahead, come up. Uh, we gave them a gift. We, we, we don't want to pretend to re-give it to them. That'd be so weird. Uh, yeah, it's weird. We did that once when we went to two services. We were like, we gave somebody a gift, and then we took it back, and then gave them again the second service. It was just too weird. But uh, can we show them what we gave them? I think this will be meaningful to the church. So one, one part of this is a gift for us, and one part is a gift for Tom. On the left, uh, th- that we're going to start a, a sort of a legacy wall at our church of uh, pastors and, and other folks that have faithfully served in notable and, and extraordinary ways. And uh, that's that stretch, 2000 to 2022. So Tom and Lisa, they helped lead uh, youth ministry you know, for a number of years before that. And like I said, one, 
year in youth ministry is seven human years. So they have served for decades uh, already. But those are the years Tom served as a formal elder uh, in many ways uh, at Cross of Grace Church. So we're going to keep that. But we gave him this so he could put it in his office in Tucson and not forget us uh, and, 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 um, and come back and preach hopefully every year. So uh, with that, I want to let Tom and Lisa share just for a minute about uh, they, just the, what they want to express in their hearts for the church. And then I asked them to give us some ways that we can pray for them as we uh, send them off. So there you go, brother. Well, in, in God's great kindness um, and in a way to publicly uh, humble me, again, Tony misspoke and said that when he arrived at the church that I led worship. <laughs> I did not lead worship. <laughs> so here's the, truth, here's the truth of the history of that. I led worship once years ago, and I was never asked to lead again. <laughs> In fact, my closest friend said, you look like you were chanting on stage. I'm just telling you. So, that, Also, the first time, after, sorry, after the first time I ever preached in this pulpit. Do you want me to tell that one? Yeah. So, another, I'm a humble guy, so you have to know this, right? So, you all know that's actually pride when someone says that, right? I'm a humble guy. Um, or if they say you, he knows my heart, yeah, he does. <laughs> and it's black and he's a savior. Um, after my first time of preaching, Tony and Joe Calabello, Tony was lead pastor, Joe Calabello, associate pastor, needed to go to a conference, and I was left to preach again, and they were not going to have that. So they had me. We had been playing a video series on a large screen TV, which was only that big, push a TV to the middle of this pulpit, and play a tape of John Piper for Sunday morning. And it was the weirdest thing ever, but the, it benefited the church. They remember. It served the church, didn't it? Thank God they didn't let me preach again. Thank God they didn't let me preach again. Oh. Ricky and the guys, uh, originally it was possible I was actually going to have like a, a last time to preach. So I'm not going to do that. But Ricky said, so if the Lord lays something on your heart, um, and there were, there's two things that always are rolling around. If I would ever start something or end something, I would want to start, and I would say this. The Apostle Paul writes uh, to the Corinthian church, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. <laughs> Listen to this. <laughs> so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. So I think it's right for me to say, as a pastor, our disposition, and your understanding as well, is we really in the end are nothing. We get to stand and exalt Christ. That's what we're called to do. We get to do that. So in the end, let's let God be honored for any fruit that has been born in this church. The second thing I would have preached is this text, which Ricky preached either last Sunday or the Sunday before. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. 
and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. So I think it's right for me to say, you know, as a, as a pastor, but even as a believer, I'm nothing. But certainly as a believer, I'm Barabbas in the story. Who's been released when I should not have been released? Who's been set free from prison in my sin when I should not have been set free from the wrath of God? And yet, in God's kindness, I was, but Christ died in my place. So I'm nothing and I'm Barabbas. So that's all I would have been able to preach. I just would have repeated it for at least 55 minutes. Because I never preached less than that, even though I was always told 40 minutes, 40 minutes, 40 minutes. I'm like, great, I got an hour and a half. <laughs> Let me say this. Um, I'm grateful to my mother. I'm grateful to my mom. She's present in this service, but I'm grateful to my mother, who was the first to have showed me and spoke to me about my need for the Savior. So thank you. I'm also grateful for this church that my family has been part of. But this church has, I'm talking about the members of this church, one to another, the brothers and sisters in Christ that have come to us and discipled me, my wife, and my kids, and my brother and his wife and their kids and my other brother and his family. Thank you. Those of you that have been here a long time, you know who you are. Thank you so much. Those of you that are new, that are in our community group, and we're just now getting to know you, thank you for discipling us towards Christ. Thank you to this church. And also, my gratitude for my pastors. Thank you, Chuck and Joe. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Tony. Thank you. Vince. Thank you for being my pastor and only encouraging. Thank you. Thank you, Todd, for being my pastor, even before you were a pastor. Thank you. Ricky. You know, we, we uh, humorously joke about Ricky and his age. You need to know something about Ricky. He was young when we made him pastor. It'll shock you. He was in his 20s. We made him a lead pastor of his church. But what is often um, remembered is his youth. But what is often overlooked is Ricky has been a lead pastor, has been the lead pastor in this church longer than any lead pastor in its history. This church has been around for about 40 years, and I counted them out. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight pastors before Ricky. Ricky has served the longest as lead pastor. Thank you for faithfully preaching Christ week after week after week for 11 plus years as our lead pastor. Thank you. I sent Ricky a picture of a CD. I think it was the first message that he preached in the church. And Lisa had handwritten. Lisa would, she always, if you were in children's ministry back then, you always got copies of the message on tape. <laughs> Children, ask your mom and dad what that is. Yeah. And then, so, but Ricky wasn't the tape era, I was. And so we just had stacks of stacks of all the other pastors' messages, not mine, in our drawer at home. 
and then the CD era, era of the church kicked in, and now everyone's getting copies of the CD. And on Ricky's first message preached in the church, Lisa, and she always wrote, she'd always get a copy because she served everywhere in the church. She would write excellent on the excellent ones. And I have many, I have many other CDs from other pastors, probably including Tony. Excellence not written on it, but she kept it. She kept it. That's a good sign. She kept it. But on Ricky's, she wrote excellent. Thank you for excellence in showing us the sense of God's word, the meaning of the text that points to Christ. Thank you, Ricky. That's not known about Ricky. <laughs> and he is no longer 16. He's well into his 30s. Just ask his wife. <laughs> she hears about it every day. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. There are many here today that have been great influence in my life. In 1 Thessalonians, it says, We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit and do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. So many of you ladies have been those things to me. You've encouraged me and carried me through many a dark time, a difficult time. You've admonished me. You've loved me, you've cared for me, cared for my family, helped raise my children. Tony Walsh, Joe and Kim have helped raise my children. This is a good church. This is a wonderful church. If you're new here, get planted here. The people here are wonderful. John Piper says, only one life will soon be passed but only what's done for Christ will last. Thank you. Thank you for being my family for 40 years. We take you with us in our heart as we go. And we love you all. Excellent. Well, I'd love to invite the, the elders and Chuck up. Um, we're going to pray for you guys again. Sorry. We are going to pray for you again. Do you not want prayer again? I'm, well, we would love to pray for you again. Uh, we well, Chuck's got it. Um, he has to pray. Oh, Judy gets to come this time. It's great. Yeah, Tom and Lisa specifically asked for prayer for uh, for their 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 grandson Everett, uh, the son of uh, Scott and Melody, who is has a in utero has a defect in his heart that's going to require immediate life saving surgery when he's born. So we're going to pray. If you hear from Everett, that's who that is. Uh, but also just pray for the church in Tucson, our sister church. So I've asked Chuck, uh, he's one of Tom's first pastors, <laughs> to lead us in prayer. You going to be able to do it, Chuck? Sure. Okay. <laughs>
Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I shared during the first service that I'm just so reminded by the Lord of his promise in Matthew 16, where he said, I will build my church. And that's not talking about a building. His church is all of us. It's all of these pastors and their wives. It's all of you. Jesus' promise is, I will build my church and, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Tony referenced Ephesians 4 where Paul says Christ himself Christ himself gives gifts to the church in the form of church leadership. So thankful for all of these pastors and their wives. How they serve us. How they love us. How they shepherd us in every sense of the word that Tony taught this morning. So thankful that this church has been the recipient of pastors who God, who the Lord has sent to help us. Our church was in really bad shape back in the mid-90s when the Lord sent Tony and Mary from Orlando all the way across the country to relocate their family and to serve this church. And then Joe Calabello. And then Vince and Christy. Todd and Kathy, how God is faithful. And then he enabled us as a church to send pastors out to help other churches. Paul and Dee and Keith and Jane, Trey and Charlotte. It's part of what the Lord does. He helps us. So it's with great joy that we send you guys to Tucson. I mean, we're not the ones. We're just acknowledging what the Lord is doing, right? And we're going to miss you like crazy. <laughs> we're going to care for your mom. Good. Because we're leaving her. <laughs> <laughs> so let's pray together. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for Tom and Lisa. Lord, even more than that, we thank you, Lord, that you called each one of us into your family. You adopted us as sons and daughters. Your word says you give us the seal of your Holy Spirit. We don't worship you as a God who is far off, but Lord, you indwell us by your spirit and you place us together in your church, in your body. You enable us to enjoy relationship with you and through your spirit relationship with one another. It's an amazing thing, Lord, your church. So, Father, we pray for Tom and Lisa and their family as they move to Tucson, that they would be as much and more of a blessing to that church as they have been here to us, that you would watch over them and protect them, that today, Lord, you would fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit, that you would empower them and enable them for this new work that you have called them to. Lord, a new season and fresh grace. Fresh grace, Lord, for the work that you called them to. And we pray for little Everett. Pray for Scotty and Melody. 
Lord, we pray for healing in his body. Pray for that little tiny heart that's beating so strongly now, Lord, that you would place your hand upon it and heal him, Lord. Be with the doctors and nurses that will be caring for them. Just surround them with your power and love. We pray for the church in Tucson, Lord. We look forward to hearing great reports of your work in their lives through Tommy and Lisa's ministry. We pray for their relationship with Derek, his family, Lord, and the staff there. Lord, that your grace would be upon them. We pray for Evelyn, Lord. She would comfort her heart. Father, that you would be all that you have been and more to her. We thank you for the Wilkins, Wilkins family, Lord. And what a what a cornerstone they've been in this church. The family that has been here for years, that have served unselfishly and consistently and honorably, Lord, for so many years. Bless this family, Lord. Continue to bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I hope you all will be able to stay and join us for a few minutes after the service. We're going to have, uh, we've got easy ups outside. We're, we're going to have uh, fun. We've got food out there, some of Tom's favorite food. Um, and we have the aforementioned pinata of Tom. Uh, there was, some, I think it was Evan or somebody who was standing next to me, newer to the church, as we hit the pinata in the first service. And I asked Evan, have you ever been at a church that's done this? That when they have a beloved leader leave, they make a piñata out of them and then bash it. And he's, yeah, he's like, no, I haven't, I haven't, uh, can't say that I have. Well, today you will. Um, I need to give a note about the piñata that is very important for El Pasoans especially. All right. There is no candy in the piñata. The candy will be handed out. When a piñata is broken, we will hand the candy out because of an incident last time. Okay, so <laughs> just know that. <laughs> Please leave a, uh, a note uh, for Tom. Take a Polaroid picture uh, and drop it in with an encouraging note. And our benediction, would you stand for our benediction? Uh, what a great time today together as a family. Our benediction comes from 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, and it is the Lord's encouragement to us as we send Tom off. As he's the guy that trained me, the charge continues, brothers and sisters, 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. By God's grace, may this gospel legacy continue in our church. Amen. The Cross of Grace Church, you are sent. Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains. And my orphan heart was given a name. My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested and my life began Oh, your grace so free Washes over me You have made me
is alive. 